score. Trying to get it tied. Kennedy scores! And will cater in. Yes! He has the crossbar! Kennedy looking center shot. You're listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Jason Ruff, alongside, as always, with my partner, Brian Bobel. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time. Michigan State versus Michigan in my kind of town, Chicago. And to help us get hyped for that, we have a very special guest the voice of Michigan State Hockey, Scott Moore, everyone. Scott, thank you so much for joining us here tonight. My pleasure. Great to be here with you. Well, in addition to getting you all hyped up for the Hockey City Classic, but you really don't need that much hype, I mean, do you? Nah, not at this point. <laughs> in addition, we'll also recap last weekend's Duel in the D, an epic matchup between the Spartans and the Wolverines. We'll also check in on how the D1 Lady Spartans fared on their road series against the Ohio State Buckeyes. And, of course, we will go around the boards to see why these next two weeks are critical for the Spartans' Big Ten Championship hopes. Big Ten Championship. Did you ever think we'd be able to say those words about Michigan State? I'll be honest. Earlier in the season, no. No way. No. I'm, I'm in the same. Scott, you... Uh, I'm I'm happy that we're able to say it. Uh, I I didn't think that it would come this quickly. I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it would come this quickly. I've been surprised by the way that the the team has played since uh, certainly since the holiday break. It's been great. It's crazy. Such a big turnaround, and we'll talk, be talking about that all night tonight. But first, let's go to our duel in the D recap. Last Friday night, the annual duel in the D between Michigan State and Michigan, a game that was advertised as the Big Ten's best offense versus its best defense. The Spartans got on the board early, scoring the f- first goal on a two-on-one power play with Joe Cox and William Haig. Haig received a pass from Cox that beat Nagelvort over the shoulder to make it 1-0 Spartans. The Wolverines, however, would respond later on the power play with Dylan Larkin, the Red Wings' number one draft pick, making a just a spectacular shot from the right dot that beat a screened Jake Hildebrand, which made it 1-1. Larkin showing everyone why he is a number one draft pick of the Red Wings again. Yeah, he made a he made a great play on that by gloving down the pass from Zach Hyman, you know, and and tough for Hildebrand. I mean, he had two guys screening him on that, but it was just it was an overall very athletic play. It it, it really was, and, and it was a it was kind of special to be able to see Dylan Larkin play. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't at the uh, Great Lakes Invitational; he was off with the uh, World Junior Championship. So that was my first time seeing him play, and he is every bit as good as advertised. I've said it multiple times. I think the Red Wings just need to pick this guy up after one year and send him away. He's too good. Yeah, just get him out of Ann Arbor. That, <laughs> that would be okay. That'd be okay with me. I'm worried he might get some booze in Chicago because I, I would think everyone knows he's the number one draft pick of the Wings. Yeah, they so. might. They're the, the ones that are paying attention might just know that. Exactly. Yeah, but I think with, with how many Michigan and Michigan State fans are going to be there, Red Wings fans overall, I think you'll hear some booze, but I don't think it'll be uh, – too overbearing. You might get booze from the Michigan State side, but I mean, I th- you know. I think so. The Spartans have the second largest alumni base in mm-hmm. the city of Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, getting back to Friday, last Friday night's game. After a scoreless second period, the Spartans killed off a critical four on three that really turned the tide for Michigan State because previously Michigan was going was really going all out, especially on their power play. You and Brian, I bet you were. I was certainly getting worried that uh, could we possibly be seeing another Minnesota. Yeah, and 
in a way, after after Larkin tied the game up, I thought the Spartans had a really great response afterwards. The mm-hmm. first shift or two after uh, Larkin's goal, they pounded Michigan on offense. They kept the puck in deep, and they got a number of good chances. And now you take uh, you get down four on three. And I thought the Spartan defense, I've I really thought that might have been their finest penalty kill of the season with all the sacrifices they were making. I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, it, it just was a, a solid effort all the way around. There was a little bit of a lull early in the second period where it seemed like things just weren't quite meshing right. And, and it, you know, they, they rode that out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, about five, six, seven minutes into the second period, it seemed to start coming back. Mm-hmm. And 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 then the intensity was back, and it was it was great to see the way that they battled through that little lull and, and came back to what, the way they were playing in the first period and in the third period, and certainly down the stretch after they'd gotten the lead, um, it was lights out, and and killing that late penalty as well was huge, and they did a great job on it. Yeah, I think the one of the memories from that game, the whole game that sticks out to me was Travis Walsh. Diving to block a one-timer, and Hildebrand ultimately, you know, gobbled up uh, the puck as it got towards the net. But just that just epitomized just the sacrifice that that team was willing to go through the whole game. And you mentioned it, Scott. That penalty kill towards the end was exactly the same. Oh yeah, yeah, and 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 it, it's Travis Walsh has made his mark with mm-hmm. blocking shots. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Trevor Nill did it before him. Travis Walsh is the designated shot blocker, <laughs> so to speak, on this team now. But, uh, it, you know, it's not just him. Everybody mm-hmm. will do it. Cox will get in there. Ebbing will get mm-hmm. in there. You know, and and when, when somebody does that and when they get dinged up a little bit blocking a shot, the rest and they get up and they get back on the bench – that gives the rest of the guys a little bit of a boost too. And they're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. So, you know, it, it's just, you know, these guys are making their mark on defense and it's great to see. It, it seems like it's really an epitomizing Spartan team. I mean, you look at football, you look at basketball, what does Mark D'Antonio, what does Tom Izzo pride themselves on? Team defense. Mm-hmm. Seems like this team is starting to embody that, and it's really entertaining hockey to watch, quite honestly. And for those of us who go back a few years and remember Spartan <laughs> hockey in the late '90s and early 2000s, you guys may not, but uh, you know that was kind of the way Michigan State played under Coach Mason too. It it was a very stifling defense, good solid goaltending every year, and you kind of waited and let the offense happen. And there were a lot of two to one three to two games back then and and you know it, it's nice to see you know they say defense wins championships and this team is playing very very well defensively right now exactly Spartans would end up going on to win that game two to one off of a brilliant tip in front by Matt DeBlau gotta love Matt DeBlau going to the front of the net doing something that Brian you and I we've been talking about all year long is just go to the front net and of course getting some love from Head coach Tom Anastas. I think uh, one of the best quotes in Anastas's press conference after the game was there was an earlier play in the second period or early in the third period where Matt DeBlau did not go to the net and he looked and Tom Anastas gave him a glare from the bench because he wasn't going to the net. And then he pays the price, goes to the net, gets rewarded. And I thought that was great to see Anastas you know, saying, you know, I told you so. And, you know? and, and you could see it on the bench. I mentioned to, to Coach last night after our radio show, I said, you know, you could see, they, they showed it just for a brief second on, mm-hmm. on the, the monitors. And I I caught it upstairs in the press box. When DeBlau came back to the bench and sat down, 
Tom came down and got his hands on his shoulders and kind of shook him a little bit with a huge smile on his face as if to say, that's what I've been talking about. (laughs) (laughs) So it's, it's great to see when that comes through and, and, you know, let's see what happens with Matt DeBlau over the next two or three games after having that positive reinforcement, doing what he's been asked to do and getting rewarded for it. Let's see what happens. We saw this happen earlier with uh, Brent Darnell this season Mm -hmm. when he went on his scoring streak. I was just about to say after that crazy ESPN style goal against uh, Minnesota. And and who knew he could dangle like that? Exactly. Exactly. And and let's not forget Ryan Keller too, up to that point. Uh He's been, you know, it's been kind of the same thing. You know, he's been going to that and he's been getting rewarded for it, but you're starting to see more players are starting to buy in. They're starting to realize that you pay the price. Ultimately, eventually, you'll get a reward for it. I tell you, if if we could play every single game at Joe Louis Arena, Rhett Holland might be leading the league in scoring. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but just to talk about that game, that's the first time Tom Anastas has won the Duel in the Dees in his tenure. Mm-hmm. Scott, how you've been around this program a long time. How big is it for this program to pick up the win in Detroit, both in terms of perception and just in terms of momentum against Michigan? Any time that you can beat your rival, and, and I mean everybody knows that's the rivalry, Michigan, Michigan State. You know, three hundred and one games so far. This will be three oh two on Saturday. Um, Any time that you can beat your rival, you get a boost from that. It doesn't matter if you do it here, there, Comerica Park. Soldier Field, wherever, you're going to get a boost from that. And and you feel good all week. And now the key is to to build off of that. But being able to do it in front of, you know, 17, 18,000 people and, you know, a lot of uh, yellow and blue in, that, in, the, in the stands there, to be able to do it in front of that, that's really special. You know, being able to, to shut that many Wolverine fans up. <laughs> you know, if you're a Spartan. And it goes the same way, you know, the other side of the tracks, too. Anytime that you can beat your rival in front of that many fans, that just feels extra special. And it seems like they've been playing up to a much higher caliber ever since that Ohio State series. I was telling you, Brian, I've you and I, we've been waiting for this team to do something awe-inspiring. It seems like they are on the cusp of doing that. Yeah, they really are, and like you said, Jason, the next two weeks will really give us a good idea of mm-hmm. where this team's headed, and not only where they are, where they're headed this year, but just in terms of their development in in going through the process for years, you know, following this season. Oh yeah, yeah. The, you know, the next two weeks, you got the uh, the single game against Michigan in uh, Chicago this weekend, and then you get the Penn State series where Michigan State has some payback on their minds oh, yeah. for that Penn State series. I mean, you, know, you go out there, and yeah, they got a, a, a shootout win on, on Friday, but really kind of laid an egg on Saturday. And I think mm-hmm. everybody there would admit that uh, you know there was about an eight-minute span, late second, early third period, where things did not go their way, and Penn State was able to capitalize on it. And these guys are for real already. This is, you know, Penn State is for real maybe two or three years earlier than I thought it would happen. It's mm-hmm. crazy. Me too, especially. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just it's just nuts. Speaking a little bit more on to Jake Hildebrand made 29 saves against Michigan last Friday to only allow a one goal, the lowest the Wolverines have scored since a 5-1 to one loss against Michigan. Boston College. Hildebrand this week was also selected as the Big Ten's first star of the week, 
second consecutive time in a row, third time this season. Scott, how has Hildebrand become the face of this program? Well, I mean, you know, you, you build around your goaltender. And Jake has always been able to make those big saves. It's just that now he's got some defensemen playing around him and helping him and some forwards as well. I mean, it, it really, he may be the face, but it really is kind of a team effort uh, in, in that, you know, he's getting some help and he's making the saves that he needs to make. I mean, you think about it just since the Great Lakes Invitational, you, you look at, at that, yeah, his goals against is, I think it's under 1.25, which is just incredible. You know, when and that includes the five goals given up in the one game against Penn State. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just been on fire lately, and it's like I said, it's been a team effort. It's been he and his defenseman working together. Brian, I think uh, another thing to add to that, it just he doesn't like you said, Scott. He doesn't really face that many quality scoring chances, or he hasn't over the, over the last the stretch that they're on here. And that plays into it a whole lot. And you have guys, like like we mentioned, diving in front of shots, blocking shots, makes a goaltender's life that much easier. And he's still getting a heavy enough workload to where it's not like he's sitting there doing nothing. I mean, he's getting pounded with shots, and he's and he's been alert, and he's been up to the task. And he's been very, I think he's been very humble about the whole thing. Well, and, and part of it, I think, is, is like Tom said at, at the press conference on Tuesday, his conditioning is, is better this year than it has been in the past. And this is about the time of the year that we would see him kind of hit a wall uh, in his first couple of seasons. And that's not happening so far this year. You know, he came back off of that, uh, off of the break. Uh, for the holidays and has been lights out since then. He kind of refocused. Yeah, and, and a couple of games before then, you know, yeah, we, we beat Clarkson, gave up six goals doing it, or, or four goals doing it, but still got the win. And there was the, the 5 nothing game against Minnesota. You know, so two of those three games right before the break, he didn't have a great outing. Um, he's come back and really has kind of been refocused since then, and it's been great to see. Some home, some home cooking might have done the job uh-huh. when he went back. Uh-huh. Well, and he worked hard over the summer mm-hmm. too. He went to the to the uh, Penguins camp mm-hmm. and and really got some good experience there and really got some good work in there. So uh, you know, I think he's he's been a little bit different goaltender this season. We're seeing we're seeing it in spades right now. What I find, what I personally think is just scary is that Tom Anastas has said multiple times that there is another year that Hildebrand has yet to get to i struggle to imagine what that possibly is unless it's like super goalie or what or whatnot (laughs) i i think he he can play better and 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 i think that the defense and the forwards can play better around him too um is it ryan miller-esque maybe not but uh you know that's we have had good goaltending at Michigan State for years. We, we've been blessed with, with some fantastic goaltenders here. And Jake, as it turns out, is you know just another one of the, that line of great goaltenders. Exactly. So let's now move on to our women's hockey recap, take a quick break from the men's just for a second. Last weekend, while the men battled their rivals in Ann Arbor, the Lady Spartans hit the road against a struggling Ohio State squad 
that has only one league win this year. On Saturday, Kendall Clary and Sidney Glanz powered Michigan State to a 2-0 win over the Buckeyes with goals in the first and third periods. On Sunday, the Spartans earned the much-needed series sweep with Glanz, Nazolo, Poland, and Scaturo all lighting the lamp for the green and white while surrendering only one goal to the scarlet and gray. The Spartans won the game 4-1 to complete the sweep. Spartans now currently sit number 12 in the standings with a very busy week ahead of them, a visit from Adrian College this Friday, and then a home-and-home against Grand Valley State on Saturday and Sunday are all on tap. Brian, the women's hockey team, after suffering three straight losses, two of them at home against Michigan, they really need to rebound, and it seems like they are starting to rebound. Yeah, and that was a very heartbreaking weekend against Michigan. You're up, oh. you're, I mean, you're up three to one late in the third period. You give up three goals in the last two and a half minutes to lose. That always kills you. And then to come out the next day and, and just get tossed around in your own rink, it was, it was, it, it was tough for the girls. But give them credit for coming back the way they did, especially against a. Yeah, struggling Ohio State team, but then again, it's another one of those rivalries where you just don't like the other schools. So kudos to the girls for picking up two huge wins for them there. Exactly. I also think the off week probably helped them yeah. a lot too. They had la- they had the weekend mm-hmm. before last off. Mm-hmm. So definitely interesting to see where the Michigan State girls team will end up. Now let's switch back over to men's hockey. Our, our our area of expertise, at least for our guest here, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll step back in. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go now around the boards, check in on all the Big Ten, take a look at the rankings this weekend. Whew, let me tell you what, this weekend could decide a lot because you look at the rankings. Number twenty, number one with twenty one points is Michigan. Dropped down to only fourteen in the ranking in the polls. So mm-hmm. maybe the pollsters thinking that their loss to the Spartans last Friday may be a little bit of a, a fluke, either an insult or a compliment, taking it as you may. They play Michigan State this Saturday at Soldier Field in Chicago. The Wolverines are 7-2-0, 15-8-0 overall. It's weird to think that the only two conference losses, Scott, are to the, the teams that are currently tied for second place in the Big Ten. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's uh, uh, and you see that in the Big Ten, though. Yeah, you know, you get su- such good teams top to bottom. Even though maybe Wisconsin's a little bit down this year, they will be back. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just it, it's a great conference to be in. Exactly. What I mean, what do you, what do you think, Brian? How has Michigan been able to just completely turn it on to? from low to very, very hot in such a short span. Well, the credit a lot of it to, like we mentioned before, Dylan Larkin and Zach Hyman, they've, they've just been playing out of their minds. I think with uh, the points, they each got a point in the duel in the D that made 19 points and 18 points between Hyman and Larkin in, mm-hmm. in their last little stretch there of about seven or eight games. And that, that'll really, that'll really boost your team up. And I, I wrote about this in the recap, um, going into that game, Michigan was averaging four, or they were averaging well over four goals per game after some big wins against Wisconsin, against uh, the shootout against Ohio State, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was it, thanks in large part to those two guys. I mean, it's it's amazing what two dynamite offensive players can do for you. Almost four and a half per game for the whole season, mm-hmm. six and a half in conference play. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. 
And, of course, we go to the two teams that are tied for second place. We'll start with Penn State with 16 points. They're next up. They have a home series against Wisconsin. The last time the Nittany Lions played the Badgers in Madison, it was an ugly sweep. The Badger, uh, sorry, not the Badgers. The Nittany Lions are 5-2-1 in conference, 13-7-4 overall. Nittany Lions, probably the biggest surprise story of the Big Ten. They've just come out and surprised everyone. You have to assume that they're going to pick up a sweep at home against a very down Wisconsin squad. Well, you would think so just based on records and everything, but, boy, Wisconsin's starting to play some pretty good hockey mm-hmm. now. And and we all knew that would happen. It's just, you know, it was very similar to uh, Tom Anastas' second year. He, the, the, they had all kinds of seniors last year. They had nine seniors on their team last year. And now you've got, you start the season with 11 new faces in the locker room. That's tough to do. And, and it has taken them a little bit of time to gel, but, uh, you know, they, they, uh, battled their arch rival Minnesota, um, to the tie and the shootout win, even though the shootout win came under some question marks with the guy that actually got the shootout winning goal. Uh, a lot of people, including uh, Minnesota's coach, thought that he should not have been left in the game. And as as, as a matter of fact, the uh, Big Ten did issue some supplemental punishment, and he won't be in, uh, in the first game against Penn State. But, um, you know... I, I wouldn't put it past Wisconsin to to reach up and sting these guys once. They got a great goaltender. Joel Rumpel is good. Mm-hmm. And as the team starts to play better around him, if he stands on his head for a game, they could surprise somebody and pick up that first conference win. And I also think they're gonna get a huge boost out of that last game against I think Minnesota. So too. That yeah. was that was that was a great game to watch for you know, for one thing. And just the emotion involved with that game, the way the teams just traded goals in the third period, it was stunning. And then, like you said, a little, little bit of a question, you know, as to who got the shootout goal there. But I think I think a game like that could be a, a game to turn that team around and really power them through Penn State. I think they could very well take one game away from Penn State. Yeah, Penn State, I, I have thought all year that they're kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors. And, and, you know, every time that I start thinking that way, they show me again that they're for real. And, <laughs> and I, I'm just not sure yet. I, I, I think they've got a great base. I think they did things the right way uh, by bringing in uh, the right coach, Guy Godowski, a great coach. I've known him since he was at Alaska. Uh, and, and we would head up there and, and face him. And I have a lot of respect for Guy Godowski as a college hockey coach. Um bringing him in a year in advance uh, while the, while it was still a club team to coach that club team to get to know the guys and to spend that year recruiting. I think that was that was a great move on Penn State's part. And then one year as a as an independent and then into the Big 10, it, it has gone a little bit faster than I thought, but when you look at their roster, they have a lot of kids that transferred in. Uh, that started at other schools and and transferred to Penn State, so they got a, a little bit of a boost that way. Some kids that had some experience, and uh, you know they've got. I think he told me this year there's two uh, players on the current team who came to Penn State to play club hockey 
you know, a couple of seniors that were not recruited to the hockey team that are, are there because of basically their walk-ons now. Okay. Uh, the rest of them are all recruited players. And uh, so it doesn't surprise me as much knowing that, that they're having the success that they are. And they shoot a ton. I mean, I couldn't believe it. 90 shots Mm -hmm. in two games when Michigan State was there a couple of weeks or a few weeks ago. Uh, It's just unbelievable the pressure that they put on a goaltender. Yeah, and how about Casey Bailey? How is is he not drafted? Oh, uh, well, you, you know, you see that too. Tori Krug wasn't drafted. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You get, that's a you great get, point. You get late bloomers like that. The kid has size, he has speed, he has accuracy on his shot, but that that could all have come since he had turned 18. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't put it uh, uh wouldn't cast too much on that on the fact that he's not drafted. Uh I would fully expect him to be playing professional hockey somewhere in North oh. America next year. Oh, definitely. <laughs> definitely. I, I don't oh, know yeah. how he can't. Yeah. Yeah, at at some level. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know which level yet, but uh he's a real deal. He's good. Yeah. He he is really good. He anchors that Penn State top line that's really been hammering again for the Nittany Lions again. Penn State 5-2-1 in conference, 13-7-4. Let's get to the team we all, uh, well, we're closest to, I guess you could say. Michigan State, again, tied for second in the Big Ten with 16 mm-hmm. points. As earlier stated, they will play the Michigan Wolverines at Soldier Field in Chicago. The Spartans are 4-3-2 in conference, 10-11-2 overall. Michigan State, they can pull the 500 if they win this game next weekend. It, and it just it's crazy how two or three weeks ago, Brian, you and I were sitting here talking about they need to start turning it now. They need to sweep Ohio State. They need to put it on if they're going to save this season. They're doing it. Yeah, they absolutely are. And they're doing it just the way, you know, Michigan State has been known to do it. They just play defense and they'll get timely goal scoring. They're starting to get goals up and down their their roster. and And, you know... I don't know if I could have said earlier in the season that on February 4th, Michigan State would be tied for second. I really don't think I, I would have said that. Uh, no, uh, not at all. Not at all. Uh, you know, the, earlier in the season, you would think, you know, they were splitting just about every weekend. And so you, you would think, okay, mm-hmm. Ohio State comes in, you know, probably a, a split, maybe a, mm-hmm. a win and a tie. Uh, but uh, they really have started to gel now. And, and it may be that eight-minute span on Saturday at Penn State that has kind of turned things around when they bounced back from that and started playing again late in that game. Because since that time, they're 3-0 and and, and have played some awfully good hockey. And if you, you take a step back to the two or three games before that, you, you play Michigan at the GLI, you play them pretty well, you don't get the results you wanted there, but then mm-hmm. you, you, know, you shut out Ferris State beforehand, and then you mentioned the Clarkson game. I think there, the, one of the turning points was that game against Penn State where they got whacked around late in the second period. Yeah. And you could also look at that first game against Minnesota on Fox Sports Detroit where they were just embarrassed on their home ice. And I think that was a part of another thing that just – got these guys going well seeing the way that they bounced back yeah. the next night yeah because mm-hmm. you know if you base your opinion on this team on that five nothing loss um it was not a good effort it was not a good game and they came back the next night and looked nothing like oh, yeah. the team that had been on the ice the night before. night and day 
Yeah, it, completely. Uh, and, and, you know, Minnesota has shown the ability to let opponents do that to them uh, occasionally this year. So uh, you wonder, okay, is, is it real? And, and then, you know, you get the game against Clarkson, and, yeah, you gave up four goals. But, you know, you get the win anyway. And then, you know, come back from the break, and, and they've been pretty good since then. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you get to thinking, okay, you know, beat Michigan last weekend, playing the same team again, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a lot tougher because, you know, now these guys are stinging. and. Mm-hmm. and and they've had a whole week to have to sit there and, 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 and get that taste in their mouth. And then it'll be interesting to see how the Spartan team handles the success. You know, how do they handle a three-game winning streak? It's been a long time since this team's oh, yeah. been on a three-game oh, winning yeah. streak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 totally, I totally agree with you. I think for my money... I think the biggest thing that has helped the Spartans kind of start that upward trajectory, I think the entire team has now started bought into the system that Tom Anastas has seemingly been begging his guys to totally, totally wrap themselves around. I mean, you, you see guys going in the net. You see the forecheck becoming a weapon with Haig and Barry and those guys. You got guys like Matt DeBlau going to the net and getting rewarded. And Coach Anastas is putting that up on film and saying, See, see, see. It works. It works. I told you so. <laughs> and and they're and they're starting to do it and, and people are being shown that yes, Tom and Astis's system, it can work if these guys buy into it. Which I mean, let's be honest, last year the system was coming under fire. There was a lot of criticism from a lot of people as to what direction this program was going. Yeah, I think they're starting to get the right players for the system though, over the last couple of years since Tom and Astis moved in. You know, now you're starting to see the players that he wants that will buy into his system, and now you're starting to see the results. Well, when you realize how college hockey recruiting works and the fact that uh, this is the fourth year of Tom, Tom Anastas, Kelly Miller. You know, Tom Newton has been here. He's, he's mm-hmm. the constant. Mm-hmm. But it's the fourth year that they've been here. The, the freshmen who came in this year, they were the first players that – Tom and Kelly could see for the first time at the same time as all of the other college hockey coaches could really have contact with them mm-hmm. for the first time. It's, it's not like basketball where you can get one class, you know, a, a coach comes in and gets one class or even one player and turn things around. It's not like football where, you know, you, you can do it in two years. In, in hockey, it takes longer. I mean, you look at the success that Coach Berenson has had in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. It took him, I think it was seven years, before he got that team built up from, it was bad. It was bad when he got there. But it, it took seven years for him to get them into the NCAA tournament. So, you know, it takes a long time to to turn a hockey program around. Exactly. And we may now be starting to see that upward trajectory of the Michigan State Hockey Program. That's good to see. And we'll go continue on around the boards. In fourth place with 12 points, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, the unranked still Minnesota Golden Gophers. Again, it's 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 weird to see Minnesota unranked. It, it's, it's mind-boggling because when you look at how many of those players are NHL oh. draftees, and, and Coach Anastas has talked about it, their defense, okay, they're, they're, they've got eight 
defensemen on that team that are draftees. So that means that every single week, they've got two healthy scratches on their defensive <laughs> core that are NHL drafted. <laughs> I mean, you think about that for a second. Mm. And you think about Michigan State. We've got, uh, what, two or three on, on, on the Spartan team that are NHL drafted. Mm-hmm. Two or three total. And they've got eight defensemen and oh, yeah. a whole slew of forwards. And, you know, sometimes that happens with teams. We've seen that happen before where you can have all the talent in the world, but if things just aren't clicking, sometimes it's bad bad juju in the uh, in the locker room or whatever. Um, sometimes things can go south for a team. And, you know, you look at that team, they could turn it around overnight mm-hmm. with all the talent that they have on that team. And they could reel off six, seven wins in a row in the Big Ten, and, and be a force in it again. Yeah, it, it's uh, it it really is mind-boggling what's happening there. Right, but you can't, like you said, you can't take your eye off them because oh, no. right Mm-mm. in a weekend they could be right breathing down your neck. It's, oh yeah, it's, it's scary, and they could do that. They have a series at home against Ohio State, an Ohio State team that has been reeling. Yes, they had the off week, so maybe that'll help the Buckeyes steal a win from the Gophers, who, again, have been reeling. They haven't been playing up to their best game. They haven't been playing their best hockey. But still, Minnesota gets six wins, and they could be right up breathing down the Spartans' neck. Goldie mm-hmm. Gopher, those weird, ugly eyes and that turning head. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, he like turns his head. It's scary. What is this, a zombie or something? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's Goldie. It's, it's Goldie. Still. It's still what Goldie does. <laughs> still, still. Anyway, the Gophers are three, two, and three in conference. Twelve, nine, and three overall. Continuing on now, the Ohio State Buckeyes in fifth place. Only six points for them. Really a far cry from the Cinderella Buckeyes that made it all the way to the conference uh, championship last year. They will head up to Minneapolis to play at the uh, not the Cole Center. What am I saying? At Mariucci Ice Arena against the Gophers. Again, the Buckeyes are 2 6 0 overall, 7 13 2 overall. There, there, there's nothing wrong with that team that, that a dose of health wouldn't help. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> they are the walking wounded. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's a mash unit down there. And I feel for Steve Rollick. Because he's got so many guys out of that out of that lineup, you realize when they were in at Munn Ice Arena, two of the forwards that he was dressing were actually defensemen. He just was skating them as forwards because he didn't have anybody mm-hmm. else. And and Michigan State's been through times like that too. I can remember times when uh, uh, Tom Anastas had to dress a player who really wasn't healthy and had no intention of putting him on the ice. But he had him on the bench because if they got a bench penalty, he could put him in the penalty box and not not lose a healthy skater. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So, you know, sometimes you do that. And, and uh, you know, so, again, if, if Ohio State can get some of these kids back from injury, um, they can be viable again. But right now, it's, it's just tough sledding for them. It's ugly. Again, the Buckeyes 2-6-0 in conference, 7-13-2 overall. And finally... The Wisconsin Badgers, only four points in conference. They will play in Happy Valley against the Penn State Nittany Lions, as earlier said. The Badgers, 0-6-2 in conference, 2-16-4 overall. 
Scott, you 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 were talking about earlier. They yeah. have eleven freshmen on that team. A- after going up there last year and talking with some of the the media that covers the the Gophers, I knew that they were going to take a step back this year. I didn't think it was going to be this far back because you know there's there's a lot of talent on that team, but eleven fresh faces to start the season, you know. That's just that's an awful lot to overcome, and, and even if a good goaltender like Joel Rumpel, you know, is, is going to give something up if the guys in front of him aren't aren't playing it right, and uh, you know that's that's what we're seeing out of Wisconsin now. Uh, they will be back. And Mike Eve's a good coach; he's got good talent on that team. But they had so much of their talent last year was their senior class and a couple of talented underclassmen who left early. And, uh, you know, this, you know, like I said, I, I figured they'd go back a little bit. I didn't think they'd be last place bad, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Exactly. And this team, I really think they could, they are the big X factor as far as the top oh, of these yeah. standings are going to go, because you look at their upcoming schedule, they're done with Minnesota. They have Penn State, Michigan State twice, mm-hmm. Michigan, and Ohio State again. If they if they start not if they start playing much better, if they start becoming you know the Wisconsin that we're expected to to see, they could very well pave the way for Minnesota to jump right up to the top of the Big Ten standings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. And after last weekend, they would just die <laughs> to help Minnesota <laughs> that way. That would be so difficult mm-hmm. for them. Oh man, there's there's no love lost in that oh, rivalry. No. That's mm-hmm. that's Michigan, Michigan mm-hmm. State. Uh, you know, the, their games, they they call it the border war, and mm-hmm. there is absolutely oh, yeah. no love lost between those two programs. I saw I saw an article, a fan post article from a um, Minnesota Golden Gopher fan post that said better better dead than red. Mm-hmm. Bringing back the <laughs> anti-communist saying, well, I thought, yep, it's real. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I mean, look at the standings just for this week, how this weekend is concerned. Michigan and Michigan State have one game over everybody else. Penn State plays a full series. Minnesota plays a full series. If Michigan State loses this game next weekend and Penn State sweeps, then they're pretty much out of the running for the conference title because I mean look at it they're chasing Michigan by if 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 again if they lose they'd be chasing Michigan by I think around eight, eight points, points. Mm-hmm. eight points and they'd be chasing Penn State by around six points yeah, but keep in mind there's two games against Michigan mm-hmm. at the end of the season and so there's six points at stake right there all they need is one team to knock Michigan off and have that last weekend you still have a chance there. So uh, That's the, true. Big, the Big That's Ten, true. Yeah, yeah, the only team that really is is out of anything right now is Wisconsin. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're, they're playing spoiler. And, 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 and they're playing for the tournament at this point. Right. Um, everybody else is still, you know, Ohio State maybe, but everybody else I think is is still a viable program and, and could still make some noise here. There's there's a lot of hockey yet to play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ex- exactly. But, oh, crap, I just forgot what I was going to say. Gosh darn it. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I know. That happens a lot to me. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, part of it's because I'm 54. But <laughs> Yes, but I'm young. I shouldn't be having these problems. I should be having these problems. I'm the youngest one at this table. 
<laughs> Holy cow. Oh, now I got it back. The thing is, though, I think if you're Michigan State, you would like to be in charge of your own destiny. Oh, and yeah. a win this weekend would really, really help them do that. That puts it down to a very decisive weekend, home weekend against Penn State, which there could be some more sellouts. I've been talking to a lot of students, and they've been saying they've shown interest in getting some hockey tickets for Penn State. So mm-hmm. that could really be a great turnout there attendance-wise. But again, it all has to start this weekend in Chicago. It's it's a big game. There's no two ways about it. It's it's a big weekend for Michigan State. You know, can the Spartans show the world or the hockey world at least that they're for real? And and that happens with a win at Soldier Field. Exactly. Speaking of, let's preview that series this Saturday. The Cold War it turns hot, and the city of Chicago is right in the crossfire. Soldier Field will be the site of this clash between the Spartans and the Wolverines with three very important points on the line, as Coach Anastas has said. The last time these two teams met in Detroit, Michigan State upset the Wolverines 2-1. to one. The question is, though, can they do it again? Are they for real? Pretender or contender? That is the big question, gentlemen. Good question. I mean, you, know, you, you look at the, the rivalry between the teams. Not only is it the 302nd career game, but it'll be the fourth time that they've played outdoors. And the record, 1-1-1. One, one, and mm-hmm. one. This is the rubber game of the match right here. Exactly. This decides who has the advantage. And uh, it's like we've been saying. It's there for the taking for Michigan State, but they have to play the perfect game against a very good opponent. A very good opponent that's had a full week to sit on that. To very sit and stew on that. To have to, to have to listen to that and have to know that they lost to their rivals. As happy as the Spartan players are that they won that game, Michigan is down in the dumps and it's just boiling. It's, it's sitting in their belly and it doesn't feel good. And they're going to come out in the first period of that game and they're going to be aggressive. Michigan State's going to have to weather the storm. Uh, for the first five, ten minutes of that contest because Michigan's going to throw everything but the kitchen sink at them. Exactly. But at the same time, going back to Michigan State, they've had a full week to regroup, refocus, and get ready for that game. I mean, Tom Anastas made it a really important point in his last press conference. The only thing they're focused on, the only thing he wants his team focusing on is that game, is that first period, is the is that not the atmosphere, not the city, not the out, not the fact that it's outdoors, just the game and the opponent, which I think they need to do. Because like you said, Michigan is going to come out with fire in their bellies. Yeah, uh, but you know, what Tom has been able to do the last couple of weeks, uh, and we talked to him after the Friday win uh, against Ohio State on our, uh, on our postgame show. And I asked him, I, I said, you know, when – when uh, George Perlis was the football coach here and, and the team would win, he would say, that we have a 24-hour rule. You get to enjoy this win for the rest of the night and all day tomorrow, and then by Sunday night, you put it behind you and you focus and you get back to work. And I said, how long are you going to let these guys enjoy this win? He says, it's over already. This is a six-period weekend. And, and the job is only half done. And so that's the same attitude that Michigan State is taking, that they're only halfway done with Michigan. That Yeah, they won the first three periods. Now there's three more periods, and they're going to have to give the same effort, if not greater effort, in these last three periods. It's just that there's been a week in between them instead of a few hours. I think that should be the approach for the rest of the season, frankly, with this team just 
every every series, every weekend, it's just a six period game. Go yeah. out and win each three periods at a time, and I think the the mentality has been paying off. In terms, uh, the guys, mm-hmm. you get the sense in the locker room that it's all business. Whereas, let's let's go back earlier in the season when they would have splits, it, it wasn't as business like. It was it was just you know it was just we won a game, we split the series, you know. I mean, I mean, heck, they were celebrating because mm-hmm. they tied Minnesota. They should have won that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's there's one thing a lot of people don't know, and, and the Ohio State weekend was big. Because the tradition with a hockey program, and this goes back to Ron Mason, is that you don't get to sing the fight song in the locker room unless you win the weekend. You have to you have to sweep the weekend in order to sing the fight song. So you don't do it on Friday night. You do it on Saturday night. That was the first time that this team has sung the fight song at the end of a weekend was that Ohio State series. And that can do something for our team to say, you know what? That's kind of cool. Let's do that again. You know, so let's see how this builds now. They've, they're halfway there with Michigan. And I don't know whether he let them sing after the, the game at Joe Lewis or not. That was the only game on the weekend. But I'll, I'll be willing to bet that they kept quiet after that game, and they're waiting to bust it out in uh, in downtown Chicago, and they'll do their best Blues Brothers down there. <laughs> there you go. Way to break out my favorite movie, too, by the way. The Blues Brothers, that's that's the movie. The Spartans, of course, led by Jake Hildebrand, arguably the best goaltender in the Big Ten. He certainly has the best numbers. Michigan State has allowed only 2.39 goals per game, a conference best. Michigan, on the other hand, averages 4.22 goals per game, also a conference bet. So, like last weekend, it's the same thing. Big Ten's best offense versus the Big Ten's best defense. The immovable <clears throat> object against the irresistible force. Exactly. Which one wins? Exactly. Defense wins championships. The Spartans also have a very stout penalty kill operating at 87%. They will definitely have to be efficient as Michigan's power play is operating still at 25% efficiency. It's nuts. Oh, and we saw that last weekend. We, we saw that the, the efficiency with which oh, Michigan yeah. plays on the power play, is uh, it's outstanding. You know, Minnesota was very good, too. Mm-hmm. Michigan just as good as Minnesota was when, when the Gophers were in East Lansing. So, uh, but the, the penalty kill for Michigan State, boy, you know, they, they got stung by that great play by a great player. Mm-hmm. And after that, uh, they came back. You realize that it had been... Uh, I think it was six, 600, 700 minutes yes. that, that the team had gone without giving up a, a, a power play goal. Uh, it, it was 21 consecutive kills, mm-hmm. almost two months in time, you know, going back to the Minnesota series yeah. since they'd given up a, a power play goal against. And now the new streak is at two, and they're going to want to continue to build on that. Exactly. The thing, though, is the Spartans show they can dictate the play against the University of Michigan, especially in the offensive zone. Like I said, Matt Barry, William Haig, Mackenzie McEachern, they are just madmen going in that zone. The Spartans can show they can dictate the play. They're going to have to do that again, win those board battles, really mm-hmm. put Michigan on their heels if they're going to want to have a chance to win this game. Meanwhile, Zach Nagelvoort, likely goaltender for the Wolverines, he's been playing well 
but he's let in some fluky goals in recent games, and he hasn't been getting that much help from his defense. Yeah, it's been it, it's been a little surprising. I was a little surprised to see Nagelvort get the start last Friday, as a matter of fact, because Racine had played so well against Michigan State at the uh, Great Lakes Invitational. I was really surprised to see that, but when you look at the numbers, the full season numbers, Racine's numbers are better than than Nagelvort's. But in conference play, Nagelvort's, I think, the top goaltender in the league, even even with better numbers than than Hildy has, or at least they're close. So, you know, Zach has been playing very well, and, and over the last couple of weeks, uh, uh, Racine had a start or two, and, and Nagelvort had to come in and bail him out. So I, it, it made sense that, uh, that Nagelvort was playing. Um, you know, he's kind of had the Spartans number over the last year, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend, whether they bring Racine out, whether they stay with Nagelvort. Uh, uh, he didn't play poorly against Michigan no, State. Didn't. I would he say didn't. it's tough to take the stick out of his hand. Yeah, I, I don't think that you could fault him for the loss at all. No, no, no. No way. No. Yeah, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they went back to, with, uh, to Nagelvort. I think it would... It would it would almost it won't hurt the Wolverines, but I think it, it would. It, it, with Nagel Vort, he has that like he has that feeling of they they took that last one from yeah, me. Yeah, you know, give you know put me back between the pipes. I want this one. Yeah, you know. The Spartans will be playing for something that has yet to be accomplished once again in the Tom and Astis era: a sweep of the Michigan Wolverines. Last time that happened, as provided by Brian Bobel, Mister Stats in the Hat here. Last time the Spartans swept the Michigan Wolverines, 2009. Yeah, it's been a while. It's mm-hmm. been a while. A long while. So it's, it's time to start that tradition It's been a again. long time coming. It's been a long yeah. time coming. So, Scott, I have a question for you. This is a right. personal question of mine. You've been to every – or you've done every single outdoor game that Michigan State has been a part of. Three yep. of them against Michigan, one yep. against Michigan Tech. What is the best memory you have – of each of those three outings, the Spartan Stadium game, the big house at the big chill at the big house, and of course the game at Comerica Park. I, I think it's probably from the most recent one, the the game against Michigan at Comerica Park. If you're talking talking about memory of the play on the ice, uh, Matt Berry's goal, where he got the goal against Michigan and then swung for the fences afterwards for his celly. <laughs> that was that was genius. That, that was that was so much fun uh, to watch the kids having that kind of fun. Um, the uh, the first game uh, at Spartan Stadium was great because the noise was unbelievable. Um, yeah, I've gone back and listened to to a tape of it. That was my first game with Joe Blackburn, former goaltender at Michigan State, as my color man. And the first Spartan goal that was scored, that was the first thing out of his mouth was, listen to that noise. This is unbelievable. 73000 for a hockey game. Nobody had ever come anywhere near that before. And in Ann Arbor, yeah, they got more than 73000 but that bowl is so spread out, the noise just kind of goes up. It just didn't seem as loud. Uh, to me in that stadium as it was in Spartan Stadium that night in 2001. And Soldier Field actually has a less of a capacity than Spartan Stadium. Soldier Field's capacity is only about 61,000. Okay, all right. But it's a little more enclosed, too. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm figuring, 
I have no idea what the what the pre-sale is like. I know they're still trying to sell tickets, so I have no idea what the crowd size is going to be for this weekend. But uh, I'm thinking it's going to be pretty loud in that stadium because just the way that that stadium is is right on top and the the new construction, the the rehab that they did on it a few years ago, just kind of encloses it even a little bit more. Joe Louis Arena. Let's talk about that that crowd yeah, Friday oh, night. That was could, fantastic. That was, that was phenomenal. You could that hear was it on TV. Unbelievable for a, for a college hockey to rock the Joe like that. That was it. Gave me chills towards well, the it, end of that it's, game. It's been you, a while. It used to be that way. I mean, there there were times I can remember uh, going to Great Lakes Invitationals when I was just going as a fan, and and the place completely sold out i can remember i mean that was 18 whatever uh they they had had announced college hockey crowds in that building at twenty thousand. um you know it's it's unbelievable and it the crowds have been smaller lately um for these college hockey games it was great to see that many people in that building for a college hockey contest and, and towards the end of that game, as Michigan's bearing down on the Spartans, you have, you know, half the crowds up with Michigan chant, you know, ch- chanting "Let's go blue," and then you have the Spartan half of it ch- doing the "Go green, go white" chant. Mm-hmm. It was thrilling. Oh, it, it was fantastic! It was probably one of the best atmospheres I've seen in a, in a hockey building. Mm-hmm. You know, in general, you know, for all the, for all the games I've gone to, gone to New Jersey Devils, just the atmosphere was just second to none. I I can't agree I cannot agree with you because you have never seen a game at the United Center well, in playoff time well, against the Red Wings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes, I may be biased. Uh, that's Chicago centric. But that's why I left out the playoffs because I have some great atmospheric moments at Devils games during the playoffs, especially against the Rangers. That's why regular season oh, sure. though. Regular season though, I gotta say that that that's the atmosphere at the Joe Friday night regular was season. I can only think of yeah. one game that could possibly beat that, just one. And it was a Blackhawks Red Wings game. It was the first time they'd beaten them in forever. It was when you knew the Blackhawks were going to turn the corner. It was actually just before the playoffs in 09. They beat them at the last second, and this it was ecstatic mm-hmm. at the United Center. But that's professional. We're talking about college here. It hopefully that's right. it's going to be a great. <laughs> we're talk, we're talking itself. about the guys that do the shootout right. The college yeah. game. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. College game. So let's now go to our final segment, Keys to Spartan Victory. Scott, as our heavily esteemed guest, three keys. What does Michigan State have to do to pick up the win in Chicago against Michigan and prove to the world that they are a contender for the Big Ten crown? Well, they're going to have to get another weekend or another game out of Jake Hildebrand like they got last weekend. You know, it, like we talked about. He didn't have to make a lot of spectacular saves. He did when he was called on. But, you know, that's one of the keys right there, the defense. It all starts with the goaltending. Um, I think that they approached that game the right way, uh, the same way that they did the Saturday win against Ohio State. Concentrate on defense. Let the offense come when you get a chance. Um, and and I like the the fact that they're doing that sure i'd love to see him put five goals per game especially against michigan i can remember games at mun arena when we were hanging 10 
on the Wolverines before <laughs> Red Berenson was there. But, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic when that happens. It just doesn't happen that often. We had a game a couple of years ago where Michigan State scored seven uh, against the Wolverines, and it was at, that was at Munn Arena. It was fantastic. But I think they've got to concentrate on the defense, let the offense happen when you get your, your chances. And then the, the third and probably most important key, stay out of the pizza joints because that's just going to slow you down. you gotta, you got to stay on your training table regimen because if I was going to Chicago as a hockey player and not worried about my shape, which obviously I'm not, uh, I may spend a, a fair amount of time in the, in the pizza places in Chicago, but uh, the guys can't because that will just slow them down. Brian, three keys. Uh, I'm going to give four. Let me give four right, keys. Right. Yeah, because I kind of, I kind of, you know, I, I only really gave you two. So no, yeah, but he, he gets, always he gets cheats. my I extra always, key. I always cheat. I always, I always give an extra one. But for one thing, Matt Barry recorded a hat trick in that game, if I remember correctly, when Michigan State uh, dropped those seven when, goals. When, on when they, with the seven goals, I, mm-hmm. that could be. That could mm-hmm. be. Um, my first key is to basically do exactly the same thing that you did on on Friday night at Joe Louis Arena. There's not much you want to change about that game. Maybe you, you don't want to take that too many men on the ice penalty. That well, You really don't want to do that. You really <laughs> don't want to do that and have the puck end up in the back of your net. But that that's one thing I, I would say. I would just, you know, just play with the same intensity overall, you know, from start to finish. That's my first key. Second key, you got to get, you know, the guys still have to buy into the system and they need contributions top to bottom throughout their lineup in this next game. They're not going to be able to win this game 2 to 1. I have a feeling this one's going to be a 4-3, you know, you know, 4-2, 4-3 kind of game. It's going to be a little more high scoring uh this time around. So, you know, the more the guys can buy into what's made the team successful lately, that'll help. Uh number 3, the penalty kill needs to stay super hot. It needs mm-hmm. to stay hot. It and I, I, you can give them because that was just a terrific play that uh, on the goal they gave up there. It, it wasn't a matter of just guys out of position. It was just two great players making a great play. Yep. So you just brush that one off, and the penalty kill needs to come up big. And my fourth and final key is to not get lost in the moment. You have a couple guys that are playing in their first. You got the freshman playing in their first outdoor game for Josh Jacobs. It's his first outdoor game ever outside of playing a little pond hockey outside of, you know, in the, the suburbs of Detroit. So don't get lost in the moment. But you know what? A lot of these guys have already gone through this with Michigan playing in an outdoor venue against your rivals. So don't get lost in the atmosphere this time. And I think Michigan City will be okay. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a very good point. You can't get lost in the atmosphere. I've played an outdoor game. It's actually at Soldier Field when the Hockey City Classic was first there. I can honestly say that is, Brian, that is a lot harder said than oh, done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot. That is going to be key. My three keys, I'm going to stick with in the rules and stick with three. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so I gave two. He gave four. You're, oh, you you're were, actually going to do average. Three. You gave three. You gave we're three. Yeah, yeah, but we're good. I guess pizza's a key. It is. <laughs> You don't you don't want to eat that. You don't want to eat that before when you're the game. in Chicago. Pizza's always a key. <laughs> anyway, my three keys of the game are number one: you're going to have to come out and match the Wolverines or even mm-hmm. exceed them. Don't sit back. The reason Michigan State had success against Michigan was that they came out and they pushed the pace. Michigan. Everyone knows Michigan is probably going to have the mental edge. Heck, I'd take a gander. Even Michigan knows it's probably going to have the mental edge because they've been sitting on this. Michigan State has to come out and basically. 
just say that's not going to happen and take the game and shove it right back in their face and really take the Wolverines off guard. That will really negate the Wolverines' mental advantage or mm-hmm. even give the Spartans an even a bit of mental advantage. The first 10 minutes are going to be key. If Michigan State can keep the Wolverines off the board or even get on the board first themselves, that'd be huge. Yep. Absolutely huge. Second key, be ready to adapt to the environment. It's an outdoor game. The weather patterns I've been looking at are a little iffy. There may be some rain. Soldier Field is right on the lakefront, so you're going to get that wind, maybe some snow. You don't know what the temperature is going to be like. You don't know what the ice condition is going to be like. So be ready to adapt on the fly and be ready to take on those little weird bounces because it might be that one weird bounce that win or loses the game for you. Mm -hmm. And finally, realize you're fighting for something bigger. You're not just fighting for three points. They do something awe-inspiring. They sweep the Wolverines. Knock on wood there. Find some wood. (laughs) (laughs) If they do that, the buzz around campus would be huge. I mean, I'm talking to people, and they're always saying they want to go see hockey games. I didn't see any of that last year, even most of this year. This is a huge series for Michigan State to set up a really important Penn State series. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity. They need to go out and grab it. And that will do it for us. Scott, thank you so much for being on the show. My pleasure. I'll I'll come over anytime. Been here so many times, we need to call you a regular almost. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been, not not quite to that yet. We'll we'll get there. We'll get get there. there. All right. I'm Jason Ruff. I'm Brian Bobel. Stay cool, Spartan Nation.